episode 50 of the Actors Room. Made it to 50. Very nice. Didn't think I would ever make it to 50. I'm going to be honest with you. I would say probably before the beginning of the new year. I told myself that, well, let's see if we can make it to February, March, see where I'm at. And never would have imagined that I could get to 50 episodes. Kind of proud of that. So kind of an historic episode being number 50. So today we're going to talk about one of the movies that I believe to be just a, a film that someone can watch and identify with because of friendship. That part of your life. If you know this movie, stand by me. You know what I'm talking about. It truly is a film centered around friendship, loyalty, and just growing up. I think it'll be a fun film to talk about. So sit back, relax, enjoy the 50th episode of The Actors Room. Stand By Me, 1986, directed by Rob Reiner and just one gem of a film. The movie was based on a novella by Stephen King, and the name of that was The Body. I read it years ago, probably about 15 years ago. It's a little different from the movie, but you're going to get that. That's very common, and Stephen King has been known to write great books that turn into films. And this is one of the films that Stephen King actually liked. The, uh, the rendition of the film transferred over well, he believed. Even the fact that Rob Reiner and his staff of people changed quite a bit of things in the film as opposed to the book. And when that happens, usually the novelist doesn't like it. Because, hey... You're fucking with his work. I wrote that because it worked. What are you doing messing with it? Rob Reiner did that. The director of Stand By Me took it and made it his own in several ways. But Stephen King in the end, when he sat down to watch this movie for the very first time, Rob Reiner was nervous. Knowing the history of Stephen King bashing on past projects that got done. For example, The Shining. Stephen King did not like that rendition at all from Stanley Kubrick. Made it known he did not like the casting and he didn't like the way Stanley toyed with his work. But in this one, different story. Seemed that Rob Reiner knew what he was doing, gave it a lot of thought, and Stephen King agreed. Even when he changed things, he felt that the changes were actually for the better. Rob Reiner decided to call The movie, instead of The Body, he decided to call it something else. He was playing around with a few things. And the one thing he did know is that the song Stand By Me was definitely going to be in the movie and be a big part of the film. And he played around with it and finally said to himself, why not just call it Stand By Me? Seemed to work out very well. Everyone seemed to agree. And so there you go. Stand By Me it was called. 
And I just want to point this out also. All of the songs in this movie, most of them excellent. I love the older songs, 50s, 60s, love it. I loved every song on this soundtrack of this film. And they were all handpicked by Rob Reiner himself, all of his favorite songs growing up as a kid in the, the 1950s. The film is centered around the Richard Dreyfus character. And he plays an older Gordy. He's now a writer. And he has decided to write about his life. And his film is centered around that. Uh, he's the narrator. And he was not the first actor to be chosen for this role. I guess the original actor, his name was David Duke. And it just wasn't working out. Rob Reiner felt that his voice just wasn't right. And even went through a few other actors before deciding to use Richard Dreyfus. Now Richard Dreyfus and Rob Reiner grew up together. They went to the same high school. And they did many projects together in the past. Rob Reiner even calls, calls him Rick. Rick Dreyfus. I like that. Rick. He doesn't look like a Rick because, you know, we all know him as Richard. But Rob Reiner calls him Rick. The four boy actors in this movie, they were perfectly cast. And I want to strongly point that out once again. The four main characters in this movie stand by me. River Phoenix is Chris Chambers. Corey Feldman is Teddy Duchamp. You have Jerry O'Connell. He played Vern. And of course you have Will Wheaton. Playing the main character, Gordy. All of them, perfect. It was, a, it was a hard casting process for Rob Reiner, who controlled pretty much everything in this movie. This is a personal movie for Rob Reiner. And you see a lot of him in the film. He placed a lot of himself as a child, his feelings, his fears... And I think he identified with Stephen King's novella, The Body, because of this. And couldn't wait to make it into a movie and then sort of make it his own. I think Stephen King saw that as well when he watched it for the first time and realized it was a personal film for the person who made it. And it was for Rob Reiner. Now, getting back to the fact that the four main characters... The actors themselves, and I named them off a little while ago, the process of casting them, Rob said, was very specific. There was one thing that he was sure of, and that was each of these characters, each of them very different in their own way, had to be like their character. The real kid had to be like the character that we're going to play almost exactly like them. And Rob Reiner pulled it off. What you see on screen is pretty much who these kids really were. I think the furthest stretch might have been Corey Feldman. Just because you really see he was really kind of nutty, the character, Teddy. And although Corey Feldman at that time, and he was a kid, going through a lot. Uh, he was a showbiz kid. Uh, the actor that, out of all four of them, truly knew the business and it was acting for a while. Now, mind you, River Phoenix did do several projects before that, uh, bouncing around from job to job. A highlight, River Phoenix, 
uh, last year. If you want to take a listen to that episode, that is my most popular episode by far. It's truly incredible how many people loved River Phoenix. He stretched beyond, I can't even imagine, really. Uh, He seems to appeal to a lot of people. We'll get into his character and his acting a little later on. Because I feel River Phoenix uh, should be talked about in uh, his acting um, to the highest degree. He was something special. Um, And I highlight that in my former episode way back in the day. So if you want to take a listen to my most popular episode, it was a good episode. Very emotional episode for me. Please go take a listen to it. Go down the list. He's down there in the teens, I think. One of my first ones, I did it right around the anniversary of his death, October 31st, right around Halloween. The first song we hear is Rockin' Robin. And I love this song on the uh, piano. And I started playing the piano when I was 12, 13, sort of the age that these four boys are. The four boys in this movie, their ages are about 12, 13. That very vital age, right? Where you're going from, I think they were going from like 7th to 8th grade or maybe 8th to 9th, I forget. I think it was 7th to 8th, going into like middle school or something. That's a big deal. You're finding out about yourself. And I remember I was learning how to play the piano. And I had a book and Rockin' Robin was one of the songs in this old piano book I had. And I really loved playing it on the piano. Loved the song. And Rockin' Robin's playing as we see our main characters sitting in the at the clubhouse, treehouse. They're playing cards. And you notice these young kids, right? They're smoking cigarettes. Tough guys. And I always thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if those are real cigarettes. They're not. Rob Reiner explained, not real. He said they were lettuce cigarettes, right? Hold on, hold on. I got it written down. I want to make sure. He said they were lettuce leaves cigarettes. So I guess not harmful. And anyway, they're not inhaling. I look at smokers. I kind of like to point it out that when I see an actor with a cigarette in his hand, I want to see if they're actually smoking it or they're faking. And when you watch the kids with the cigarettes, they never inhale. They just sort of Treat it like a cigar. You're not supposed to swallow cigar smoke. You just sort of play around with it in your mouth and then spit it out. Not spit it out, but blow it out. If you see somebody smoking a cigarette and they're not inhaling, you know. Especially if you're a smoker, you just know. The way the smoke exits your mouth, okay, there's a distinct difference. When you inhale it, when it comes out, then say you just put it in your mouth and then blow it out, it's completely different. And I could tell. It's funny. And I could tell when people are not truly smoking. So it was good to know, in a way, that at this age, River and I think Corey Feldman, okay, they didn't smoke. They didn't. They it, Well, they didn't inhale anyway. All right. So moving on from that, I thought I'd point that out. I'm a cigarette guy. So whatever. Hey, that's that's my vice. We all got our things, right? Some people, you know, chocolate, uh, you know, uh, bread, uh, you know, salty things. I'll do it. I do like salty things. I do. 
But we all have that certain something. All of us do, I'm sure. Our vice. I enjoy having a few cigarettes in the evening. Kill me. All right? So something I enjoy. It relaxes me. You know, it's, you know. I eat good and everything. I, I, I'm pretty in shape. Uh, I'm a thin guy. Uh, I, I try to... I, I take great pride in the fact that I don't overdo it with food. You know, I, I'm constantly moving around. I'm always doing something. I'm never just sitting around. I think yesterday, I told my, my youngest daughter, no, my oldest daughter, Madeline. I told her, I said, yesterday morning, I took a few hours and I just sort of sat down for a few hours in the morning. And during those two hours, I progressively got depressed because I wasn't doing anything. I feel so much better when I'm accomplishing something during the day. It could be something as simple as doing laundry, dusting, uh, taking something, putting it, taking it from here, and then putting it over there. As simple as that. Always got to be doing something. So I thought I'd point that out. Got off base. There I go. Whatever. Getting back on track. Checking my notes. Went over the cigarette thing. Got it. That was That's my vice. And that's how I, uh, you know, whatever. Hey, ho- hopefully I'll kick it someday. I think I used to smoke a pack a day. Oh, God. Yeah. No problem. And then I just sort of was like, no, I can't do this all day. I just can't do it all day. I, I just can't do it anymore. Made that decision about 10 years ago. And now I just, in the evening, you know, as I unwind, I find I just got to have a cigarette. All right. So the screenplay was nominated for an Oscar. Wanted to point that out. Great screenplay. Rob Reiner had a big part in writing that screenplay. And he did have help from a few others. But most of that screenplay is Rob Reiner. Reiner chose Gordy's character to be the central theme. And in the book by Stephen King, he didn't really have one. But doing my research, I felt that Stephen King, uh, I think he wanted Chris to be the main character. I think he felt him to be the most intriguing character, interesting character. um, And the one that would come out in the end as a hero. But Rob decided, and I think he decided on Gordy's character because I think he identified with him more. They're all 12 to 13-year-olds, I pointed that out already, and how that's a critical time in the life of a child or person, period. This was indeed a personal film for Rob Reiner. He wanted to show separation from his famous father, and his father's name is Carl Reiner, and he's a very important director. The awful way, I want to note this, I want to note the awful way Gordy's parents treat him. And his dad is played by an actor called Marshall Bell, and he's good. Kind of really scary, kind of. Dad. He treats Gordy like garbage. Now, Gordy's brother, Denny, was killed shortly before this in the movie. And Denny is played by John Cusack. Fucking perfect. Oh my god, the casting in this movie perops. John Cusack is only in a few little scenes. But in those 
two little scenes. Oh my God, do you love that guy or what? Is that your like prototypical classic older brother, like perfect older brother? I'm an older brother. God, if I, if my younger brother Dave feels I am one tenth of what John Cusack portrays in (laughs) Stand By Me, I consider that a compliment. I just, there's something that John Cusack brought to that character as a older brother. I get goosebumps right now just thinking about it because I thought about it in my head. The way he he looked and acted towards Gordy, uh, you know, gave him a hug, gave him confidence. Um, He didn't talk down to him. He talked to him like somebody he loved, period. He loved his brother. Uh, So I wanted to point out that uh, John Cusack... Uh, an actor, maybe a little underrated, because I think people don't realize just how good he really is, and he is. We'll get to him in a future episode. And Christopher Ramsey, uh, a friend of ours, big fan of John Cusack. <laughs> so maybe we'll try to get uh, Chris, maybe we'll get him into the episode somehow, like through Skype, or I'm going to try to look into that, try to make it happen. Having the three of us, my brother, me, and Chris, talk about John Cusack together, boy, that'd be a good time. So, Chris, stay tuned. Uh, you know, because John really hasn't come up a lot in my episodes. He just hasn't. You know, uh, some people seem to come up a lot, others do not. Uh, but looking forward to talking about John Cusack and this performance he did in Stand By Me really stuck out to me. It's one of the things in the film. That made it so special. Didn't it? If you're a fan of Stand By Me. You know what I'm talking about. I note here. River Phoenix's short hair. And how I don't like it. The guy had fucking beautiful hair. What the hell are they doing? Cutting it. Well you know what I think. This might be it. It probably isn't. But I'm going to throw this out there. His hair was so freaking cool. Sometimes that's all you looked at. So maybe that's why they decided to cut it short. Maybe he came into the film with his classic long, just freaking beautiful long hair. that just fell perfect and everything. Oh, God. Ah, if there was one person I would want their hair, it would be his hair. Take a look at films that he did running on empty. Okay, Little Nikita. They even said, this is a true fucking story. The critics even said... That in the film Little Nikita, the best thing about that movie was River's hair. I fucking swear to God. So, there you go. Maybe Rob's like, oh my God, that hair. I just can't stop looking at it. This is going to hurt the film. uh, We're just going to have to cut it short. The only other movie that River's hair is short, I believe, I think, is uh, the film where he plays a military guy. Dogfight. I think. He might have had his short when he was a real little. But. I mean. Here I am going on and on about hair. Go figure. The gun scene. Uh, I love. Well the gun scene I mean is when. Uh, Gordy and River. Gordy and River. Well Gordy's character. Played by Will Wheaton. And River Phoenix. Are checking out the gun. That River's character has taken from his dad. And Gordy's sort of aiming at the garbage can. 
and asks River, is it loaded? And River's like, of course not. Who do you think I am? So Gordy pulls the trigger and there it was loaded. And the look on those kids' faces looked pretty fucking real to me. They were like, holy shit! <laughs> and they come running and everything. And you get to see like a little bit of a bond that was created by Rob Reiner. Now, Rob Reiner, the director of this film, of course, was in All in the Family with Ar- the Ar- Archie Bunker uh, sitcom back in the 60s, uh, definitely 70s. He was an actor first. So he knew the process of being an actor, doing it the right way. And working with kids on a film is difficult. So he went ahead, got the kids together a few weeks before filming started, did some acting classes with them, had them communicate with one another, just bum around together, get to know one another. This was essential. This had to be done. And these are young kids. He wanted to make sure they felt comfortable around one another. And were able to sort of, you know, get used to the fact, I'm going to pick up the ball when you drop it. We're gonna, he actually had them throw balls, like basketballs and footballs to each other, as an exercise. To get them engaged with one another and just throwing things back and forth. Because they'll be throwing dialogue back and forth. And then he gave them acting classes. Rob Reiner conducted acting classes. May have been the only acting class these kids ever did. Then soon enough, we get to see this fucking guy, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh man, is he badass in this movie or what? He's got that look though. He still does. God gave him a face, like this sinister face, this fucking prick face. Got a lot of roles because of that face. Uh, Mind you, he had a famous father, his dad, Don. Donald Sutherland. I hear he's kind of a strange guy. I'm looking forward to talking about Donald more than Kiefer, to be honest with you. I've heard stories about Don. Donnie, strange cat. Well, his son, Kiefer, he's a little strange too. Good actor. Uh, Kiefer has done some great work. There's no doubt about that. And when he did this movie, he was 17. And boy, did he scare the shit out of the kids on set. Even The tough Jerry O'Connell. I guess Jerry O'Connell doesn't seem that tough in the movie. You know, plays kind of a me kid, kind of, you know, not not that tough. But he grew up in New York. He's a New York kid. And when he came to the set, he felt that, you know, he wasn't going to be afraid of anybody. But he said, by God, Kiefer Sutherland scared the crap out of me. And he did every day on set. (laughs) Kiefer did his job. And in the scene where you first see him and they take the the hat away from Gordy, this is a hat that Gordy's brother Denny gave him. A very special hat in the movie and in Gordy's story. And here you have this piece of fucking shit. Kiefer Sutherland taking his hat and, and he doesn't even put it on. He gave it to his friend, Eyeball, which was Chris's brother, his older brother Eyeball, who's played by... Uh, Bradley Gregg, good guy. Uh, I am actually friends with him on Facebook. We've been in contact about projects. Really nice guy, Bradley Gregg. Anyways, Kiefer, his first reaction, okay, or uh, what? A, not reaction, but instinct, he said. Kiefer said his first instinct when he took the hat was he wanted to put it on. Rob Reiner said, no, you wouldn't do that. That hat means nothing to you. You would just give it to your friend. 
And Kiefer's like, oh, okay. I got you. I dig you. We're going deep. I got you. <laughs> you know? That's how much Rob Reiner knew this movie. It's like he knew every detail. He was inside the heads of all these guys. He knew all of these guys. They were almost his creation as well as Steven's creation. All right. So the kids head out to find a dead body. And that's the whole thing. The, the premise of the film is they heard that there was a kid killed. Uh, hasn't been found yet. They didn't know where this kid was. He went missing and no one knows where he is. Well, one of the members of Kiefer Sutherland's gang found the kid. And the kids that found the, the boy that died by the railroad tracks were the older brothers of, I think, Vern, for sure. I think that might be it. Vern. They found the kid and they're nervous about it. Like, oh my God, you know? Because they were doing some shady activity in that area. Like stealing cars or some shit. So they didn't want to be associated with the body. So they're all nervous about it. We should tell Kiefer Sutherland's character. And his name is Ace. God, I hope I don't get that wrong. I think it's Ace. If it's not, I'll correct it. The one kid really wanted to tell Ace about it. Ace will know what to do. And the other kid's like, nah. Don't tell him. Listen. Get it out of your mind. So while they're telling this story, Vern, okay, one of the young kids played by Jerry O'Connell, was underneath like the deck, the front deck, like this wooden deck, because he had buried a jar of pennies in the ground and can't find it. So he's been digging all summer trying to find out where the hell it was, this jar of pennies. So while he's digging for the pennies, he hears the story and he tells the rest of his friends, Hey, do you want to see a dead body? And this is now an adventure. You know, when you're a kid, oh, adventures were the best. Even they were like little adventures. You go out like if you had woods nearby, you know, you go to a certain spot and like dig around and and make up a cool game. This was the ultimate adventure. Actually going out and seeing something so interesting, mysterious, and they're going to go out there, uh, Make it seem like they just happened to come upon the body. And then they would be on TV. They would be stars. They would be important. This was going to be important. An adventure. So they headed off down the railroad tracks to find the dead body. And I want to go ahead and just take a moment here to see where I'm at. I want to point out that, let's see, uh, 60 days it took to film this movie. And I don't think that's very long. 60 days. And Rob Reiner stated. That it would just be great. If all 60 days had nice weather. And they did. 60 days to shoot. 60 days of sunshine. 50's TV shows. Sung by the kids. I thought was a great touch. Love those 50 songs. And how perfect. Corey Feldman was. Is his character. I've stated in the past. I think that Corey Feldman is off his rocker right now. Fucking batshit crazy. You do some research on him. You'd agree. We're not going to get into Corey Feldman. Because once I get into Corey Feldman. It may not stop. He fascinates me. Oh my god. He's just crazy. That guy crazy. (laughs) But 
<laughs> I'm so tempted to go even like 10, 15 minutes on them. I am. Because it would be fun. But I, I can't do that because it might go longer than that. And uh, I don't want to waste my time because I'll probably cut it out. Because it doesn't really belong in this episode. I have plenty of time in the future to sit down and write an episode about Feldman. Okay, it'll happen, people. It'll be a lot of fun. But getting on to Stand By Me and how perfect Feldman was as his character, I guess at the time, he was going through a lot of anger issues. He even said so himself. That Rob felt it necessary for that character just to be angry. And Corey's like, I was pretty angry at that time. So it it worked out pretty well. And it did. His acting is really good in Stand By Me. The way he says, what are we going to do? Like, okay, I want to mention this scene. Vern brings a comb, okay? (laughs) And then, like, further on, like, a couple minutes later, they're talking about, like, okay, who brought the food? And, like, nobody brought food. You just don't think of that stuff. When you're 12, 13, you just don't think about the fact that, oh, by the way, we may actually get hungry, you know? And Corey's like, what are we going to do? Eat our feet? The way he says that, it just, it just stuck in my memory with that movie. What are we going to do? Eat our feet? Ugh, gross. I hope not. God, don't you ever get to that point where you're eating your own feet? The relationships in the film are perfect. The connections between the kids, it worked. What Rob did with them prior to filming, it seemed to have paid off. And you could see it in the progressions of the film, even in the very beginning. The train dodge scene is great. Uh, uh, River Phoenix's acting is tremendous. Uh, The way he yells at Feldman, you get it. And Corey Feldman's like, I don't need no babysitter. And then River's like, you do too. (laughs) And then they do that, you know, let's skin it. You know, they've just been through like a little confrontation. You know, like when you're kids, you know, you just, you need that, you know, are we cool? You know, and they say it back then in the 50s. They would say, let's skin it, which means you shake hands on it. You know, you slip them some skin. I mean, we even did that in the 80s a little bit. I think earlier in the movie, they did pinky swear. Uh, No, in the 80s, I don't think I remember ever doing a pinky swear. Uh, Maybe in the 50s they did that, but in the 80s, guys didn't do pinky swears. Maybe the girls did pinky swears. I thought that was a little mm, for guys to do a pinky swear. I'm sure Ace, like Kiefer Sutherland and his gang, I don't think they were doing any pinky swears. Uh, that would be weird. Hey, eyeball, I'm sorry I hurt you the other day. I will never do it again. Are you sure? I'm positive. Pinky swear on it. Yes. Give me your pinky. Let me wrap it around mine. We'll say a little prayer. And then we kiss. Come on. Pinky swear. All right. Okay. Mailbox baseball. I've done this. Not too proud, but I've done it. It's, It's a lot of fun. I don't recommend anybody to go out with a baseball bat and swing at mailboxes in the middle of the night. They were doing it in broad daylight. I... Me and my friends were not that brave. We did it in the dead of night where there was like nobody around. 
uh, Ace's gang had no problem at all riding around in broad daylight, swinging away at mailboxes while drinking beer. These guys were just tough, weren't they? Swigging out of beer bottles, just destroying private property. It's illegal, folks. You get caught messing with somebody's mailbox? Uh, That's not good. That's like a federal offense. And uh, when I was a teenager, I went out and did these things. I was stupid. I think I only did it once. And uh, I remember my buddy, Dave. We're all, there were four of us. And he got a hold of like a really expensive looking one. Like some of these mailboxes, some people have your basic, boring, you know, common mailbox. Other people put real thought into their mailbox. Well, this mailbox was nice. He fucking ripped it out. The mailbox. And he brought it into the car. We sped away. And you were laughing. Oh my god, that was great. Oh god, we were stoned. Oh, that was... <laughs> After about five minutes of laughing, we look over and Dave, he was scared. Like, reality hit him. That here he was, sitting in the back seat of the car. I was sitting right next to him. Okay? I look over to my right and he's sitting right next to me. And he was right in the middle of me and my other buddy, Dennis. And he looked worried. And we're all like, what is it? And he's like, you all, you all have to touch this mailbox. I said, what? <laughs> what do we have to do? He goes, I want all of you to put your hands on the fucking mailbox. So why do we have to do that, Dave? <laughs> because if, if I get in trouble, we're all getting in trouble. This wasn't just my idea. He got real paranoid. We all had to touch the mailbox. Just in case they were to trace it back to us, all of us would get in trouble, not just Dave. And we ended up later on that evening when we were done collecting a bunch of mailboxes. We had collected the, it's called the Plain Dealer neighbor, uh, the Plain Dealer newspaper. Okay. Uh, they would have just a little box for that. They were blue. <laughs> we stole a lot of those that night and we put them all throughout the front yard of my buddy, Dave Lobus, said his full name, Dave Lobus. Hey, Dave, I know you're probably not listening, dude. We put them all over his front yard. He actually thought it was great. He thought it was great, great, great prank. He's like, I pretty much know who did it. And when he found out it was us, he's like, great job, guys. Well done. Because Dave Lobus was definitely one of those kids that enjoyed having a good time creating havoc, and just having fun. All right. Just wanted to point out the mailbox baseball and how much fun it really is. Dangerous and illegal. It's illegal. I did something illegal back then. God, I hope like a cop's not listening and they like come to my house. Are you Jeff Tarowski? Yeah. We found your fingerprints on a mailbox destroyed. No! I didn't destroy it, sir. Oh, you just gave yourself away just then, you piece of shit. That's right. It wasn't destroyed. We have it in full, full construction. (laughs) It was not destroyed. You just gave yourself away. You're going away for a long time, sir. That would suck if I got in trouble for something I did when I was 16. Just having a good time. Doing something really stupid. But anyways... Moving on. Junkyard scene. And the dog chopper. Uh, The story of Teddy, who is played by Feldman, 
Being saved by Chris when he fell out of the tree. Significant part in the film. River Phoenix's character says that he even has nightmares or dreams about the fact that Teddy actually did fall in his dream. And all he got were a few of his hairs. And uh, Teddy is just a crazy kid. And they sort of rehash that with one another. Here's a nice tidbit. When River Phoenix and Will Wheaton race in the junkyard, okay, Will Wheaton was much faster than River Phoenix in real life. And Will was like, how do I make myself not so fast? (laughs) And Rob Reiner explained, well, you swing your arms a lot and just slow down. And make it look like River is faster than you. Love that shit. Will Wheaton, fast as wind. River, not so much. River, great hair, not fast. We have an appearance by Bruce Kirby, who is the father of Bruno Kirby from City Slicker fame. And he was in The Godfather Part 2. Really love Bruno Kirby, who passed. Uh, his dad is in this movie and he plays the shopkeeper when Gordy goes in to get some food for the kids. Uh, I guess Bruno Kirby is close friends with Rob Reiner or was with Rob Reiner. The flashback scene, uh, about his brother, Denny, a glimpse that Gordy's dad was a dick to Gordy before Denny died as well. The scene is a flashback. They're all sitting at the dinner table. And uh, Denny is a football player, so the dad's all about that. And into the fact that his son is just this amazing football player. Well, they're all sitting down at dinner. And Gordy's like, can you pass the potatoes? Dad? Dad? He's completely ignoring Gordy, his dad. Okay. The mom finally passes the potatoes over. And then Denny is actually like getting a little frustrated with his dad because he keeps talking about football. And he brings up the fact that, hey, did you guys see the uh, story that Gordy wrote the other day? And the look on the dad's face is like, what? He looks like such a fucking prick. Oh, I hate, I hate bad parents or shitty parents in any way. And Rob Reiner and the, uh, the guy, the actor that played the dad, great job. I believe you. I hate you. At that time. And also that flashback scene. Shows just how cool. John Cusack is. Or the brother he portrayed in the film. He's just fucking cool. Am I right? I'm right. 100% right by the way. It's no argument. It's no discussion. Gordy returns to Junkyard. And gets chased by the dog Chopper. Chopper. Sick balls. But Chopper is a little guy. A little dog. And the kids are amused at the fact that they have been scared of the stories about this big fucking dog, Chopper, in the junkyard. That if you ever fucked with Chopper, he would snack up your balls, rip them off, and have them for breakfast. Or you know what? Just a snack. But no, Chopper's this little guy. He's got his little tail flapping around. He's all waggy. He just wants to, you know, get pet. And they're making fun of the dog. And the junkyard owner comes out. And he just starts ripping on all the kids, especially Teddy, who plays, you know, the the Teddy character played by Corey Feldman. He lays into him, telling him his dad's nothing but a loony. And you get a great performance by Corey Feldman here. Looked very real to me. uh, Defending his dad, even though his dad 
uh, went through a lot in the war, uh, World War II. Teddy states he stormed the beach at Normandy. He's a hero. You know, fuck you. You know, he went out there and he did something important. It affected him greatly. And yes, he might be a little crazy now, but he did something brave. And you never want anything bad sent about your dad or your mom. It's a direct insult to you as well. And Teddy defends him here. I note that the chemistry between the kids is astounding. Outstanding. The group acting. Not easy for kids to do. That's why this movie worked, people. That's why it was a hit. A classic. It's because those four kids were truthful with one another on the set. They didn't lie to one another. Okay? They kept it real. You got it. You got them. You got their performance. And you got their relationships. You fell in love with those guys. All of them. Okay? Um, Although you may have had a favorite... I think all those characters worked so well. And that's why I wanted to point out, I think that's why the movie worked. I really do. The lollipop sequence, when the lollipop song's playing, and they go, dun-dun-dun, and you do that. Perfectly done. Great part in the film. Although it's just a little thing, it's just one of those things in the movie that I enjoy. Uh, Touching scene with River and Will Wheaton. I highlighted this in my Phoenix episode, this scene, so please go back and listen to that episode. And I love when Gordy says, do you think I'm weird? And then River responds, definitely. And then explains that, you know what? It doesn't matter because everybody's weird. Isn't that true? I think about that line a lot. When someone, like, Gordy's character reaches out and plainly asks, Am I weird? You know, because people like think that about themselves. They know they're different because we're all individual people. We know the thoughts we have and just our little things about us that make us different. And we think to ourselves, Do other people think I'm just normal weird or like really weird? And uh, Gordy's character asks about this, You know, am I weird? And then River says, yeah, of course you are, but everybody's weird. It's so true. Everybody's got a certain weirdness to them. Nobody's perfect, but that's what makes life so interesting. If we were all so perfect, that would suck, man. What would we talk about? Or what would we, what we find interesting about other people? Because they're so different from us. We want to learn something about that. That That's something different uh, that your friend has that you don't. Or that you can learn from them. So I wanted to point that out in the film. Brilliant writing by Rob Reiner. Uh, A notable song played next is uh, Buddy Holly, Every Day. Perfect. Running from the train scene. When they're on the, the rails and they decide to go across the bridge. Instead of going five, uh, I think they said five miles down the road and then five miles back. That would take all day. So in 10 minutes, they can get to the same destination if they decide to cross the tracks, uh, the bridge. And as they venture out there, I think to myself, every time I watch the movie, why don't you move a little faster? It just looked like they took their time. I would be uh, two-timing it, four-timing it, ten-timing it across that bridge. 
I mean, fucking Vern is like at all force. What the fuck is he doing? Get up. He even loses his precious little comb because of his stupid act of crossing that damn bridge like a dog. I get upset because they almost die. But it makes for great film, right? That's the point. All right? Because the guess what? The fucking train's coming. Will Wheaton's like, train! And the, oh God, the shot of those two. Because River and Corey Feldman, they're way ahead because they're not morons. And they went a little faster. So they were okay. But Gordy and Vern, they're running for their lives. And Rob Reiner will go on to explain that a lot of that footage was filmed on set in a studio. And a lot of the other stuff was done with doubles and things like that. But the main thing I want to point out about this scene and how it was uh, such a a big part of the movie. uh, Rob Reiner wanted to make sure it looked pretty real. And in the early stages of filming this, the kids weren't taking it seriously. Rob was getting a little frustrated. And you got to understand, he's working with kids here. Not easy to do. He knew that. So he (laughs) made a decision uh, to be drastic. He went off on him. He explains this. His voice raised, and it raised loudly. Directed towards all four of them, especially Gordy and Vern. Will Wheaton and Jerry O'Connell. To the point where they were frightened of Rob. And I think Rob was telling the kids, you better shape up. You are wasting our fucking time. All these other people behind me, all the cameramen and assistants, have better things to do with their time. You are wasting their time. Do it right. And he's just yelling at these kids. They woke up. The very next time they did the scene is the scene they used in the film. It worked. Uh, Directors, good ones, that is, uh, will yell. (laughs) Grab the attention of an actor if they feel it necessary. And Rob felt it necessary at that point in time to get things done. And he did. All right, the next scene that's great is when they're all sitting around the fire, they're all talking like friends do, at like a sleepover, things like that. Uh, and then Gory tells his story about lard ass and the uh, pie eating contest. Uh, the only part in the film I kind of don't like because uh, throwing up, it's just something I don't, I try not to think about. N- nonetheless, you know, see on screen uh, people doing it. Uh, So I was very turned off by the scene when I was a kid. Now, I mean, I won't fast forward. I just won't look at the parts where they're actually getting sick on one another. I just... (laughs) So gross. And I guess Rob Reiner said they wanted to get the right sound of... What was his name? Lardass? Okay. Lardass. When he's eating the pies and then his stomach starts to like gurgle and make all these weird noises. He said it was... One hell of an effort putting together all the sounds that it made in his belly. So the next time you watch the film, just take this into consideration of this little tidbit of information that Rob Reiner put a lot of time and effort into those sounds going on in Lardass's belly before he just exploits. 
Did I just say exploits? Exploits? Explodes. Great diction. All right, moving on. Reiner explained that they, oh shit, I just said that. My notes sometimes jump around. Okay, gonna. All right, okay, everybody getting sick. I mean, just a scene that uh, it just isn't, you know, it's kind of funny, but I'm not a big fan of the whole getting sick thing. Uh, The fire scene uh, was filmed in a studio. Look like they're outside. It's amazing how uh, a director, the producers of a film, what they can do to make it look so real. And when you watch the film, I would have thought they were outside. (laughs) They weren't. They were in a studio filming the fire scene. After their talk at the fire where they're talking about Goofy and everything like that. Great dialogue. Great writing. Gordy falls asleep and has a dream. About his brother's funeral. And in the dream. His father turns to look at Gordy. And says. It should have been you. Once again. Highlighting. Just how much I hate. The dad. In this film. And I also note here. River Phoenix. Was cool. Fucking. Cool. So cool. Oh wow. I can't believe. How fucking cool. River Phoenix was. And he was. Uh, Phoenix milk money scene. Uh, One of the scenes that River struggled with. In the very beginning. He couldn't cry. He had a hard time. Finding that place. As an actor. To make it feel real. Rob Reiner took him aside. Said River. I want you to do a little sense memory. And that means. You think of something sad. And Rob told him, he said, I want you to think of a situation in your past where an adult let you down. And River kind of took that in, uh, walked a few steps the other way, turned around a few moments later, looked at Rob and said, I'm ready to go. They did the scene. River cried. And when they yelled cut, he cried some more. And then Rob had to comfort him, told him he did a great job, and gave him a hug. God, I love those stories. Another reason why I love this movie so much, uh, doing my research on it, made me love it even more. Except for that damn father. The only one I didn't like. That fucking The mom you don't get too much into, Gordy's mom. Uh, if they showed her, I would probably hate her too. She she seemed like she just wasn't dealing with the whole older brother dying thing. I get it. But don't treat your other son like shit. I don't get that. You still have another son. You may want to give him some extra love now. Instead of extra hate. Hmm. I wonder, I don't remember if Stephen King had that in his book as well. Where the parents were dicks. Maybe Rob took it to another level. Of dickness. Did a great job. I believed it. Alright. And uh, yeah. So that scene that River did. Was a landmark scene for Phoenix. Got him going in the right directions. And I think that. I would um, attribute. uh, Some of River Phoenix's. Success in acting. After this. To Rob Reiner. I think that he really did help him. Right here. 
in this scene in regards to going somewhere deep when he needed to. There's a scene after that where Gordy is sitting all by himself after he woke up that morning, sitting on the railroad tracks and sees a deer. And they look at one another. And Will Wheaton believes that when he looked at the deer, he can like see himself in the deer. That they kind of had the same presence about them. The presence of innocence, uh, the doughy eye look. I think Will Wheaton himself had that look. Uh, and it was a very touching scene for Will and a touching scene in the film. A scene of innocence. Uh, there were a lot of long lens scenes in the movie done by Rob Reiner and done very well. Uh, the railroad tracks and the, the leaking red water tank scene. Very small scene where they're walking. So it's a shot done by Reiner where he he looks like he's probably on uh, something that makes him uh, look down on a scene. I forget what they're called. A pulley? And you could tell it's a faraway shot, and the kids are walking off into the distance, and you see that big red water tank, and it's leaking. Rob says that's like his favorite scene in the movie. These fucking directors, man, they're all about visuals. I am too. I'm very visual in my, the way I see things in my house even. I got to have things perfect. How they are sitting, like things sitting in a room, a chair, a table, uh, a hutch whatever, a couch, it's got to be perfect in the room or it's going to bother me. And I think the same thing could be said with directors. It's all about the visual, man, and how it looks. Like in the lens, the water tank wasn't enough to the left. You know, I wish it with the camera just a little higher or more to the right and it would have been perfect. Damn it, that's going to bother me. I'm sure that directors, cinematographers, I'm sure that bothers the shit out of them. They probably wake up in the middle of the night going, fuck! I did it wrong! I should have fucking done it different that day. So now, we have to reference Ace's gang. This is Kiefer Sutherland's gang. Alright? They find out where the body is. I guess the friends, they just couldn't hold their secret anymore. They told Kiefer. He now knows they're going to go to the body. And they're thinking they're going to get a reward. They're going to be famous too. This is just great. So they all head out to the body as well. So now we're, you're getting all set up for a confrontation. The other four boys are getting closer and closer to the body. They look over and there's like a, like a, I don't want to say like a, like a, a creek, a stream. All right. Between them and the other side. And they think to themselves. We could go through this. No problem. They poke some sticks down there. Ah, It's not too deep. And they go into this little creek. Stream. Whatever. And they of course just fall into the water. It's deep. Deep enough where they all get wet. And now they're completely drenched. And they're having fun with that idea. uh, Horsing around. You know. Giving each other noogies and sleeper holes. All that shit. Uh, and slowly realize, as they reach the other side, they're absolutely covered with leeches. Uh, a fascinating part in the movie 
they even when they rip the, the leeches off of one another, you can actually see like red marks. Like they went so deep into this that they made like the the production team made like little red marks on their bodies before putting the fake leeches on. Isn't that great? I love little stuff like that. I like pointing that stuff out. If you've never noticed that, it, like they were already sucking in to these kids, the fake leeches. You know, they were even putting red marks on their bodies. And of course, the part in the scene where Gordy uh, reaches down, there's one in his underwear. Oh, God, do I cringe every time I think about that. And he looks over and he's like, oh, Chris. And he reaches down. His little hand comes up with the leech. It's all bloody. And I think he does what probably most of us would do in that situation. He passed out. And one of the kids, Vern, says, oh, my God, I've never bet. I've never met anybody that passed out before. And it's so true. Like kids like that would say things like that all the time because they're 12 and they haven't seen much yet. I love it. The writing in this movie is so spot on. Like Rob really delved into his childhood. Not easy to do. There are a lot of things you forget. He had vivid memories of his childhood. And I guess doing my research, I found out that this actually happened to Stephen King himself. This leeching thing that happened to him and his buddies. They were all going into a stream, a creek, and they were infested with leeches. It's a true story. Even the thing where the leech was in his underwear. It actually happened. God. God. Poor kid. Oh, I'm not a big fan of blood. I want to put that out there. I'm afraid of my own blood. Blood is supposed to be in your body. Not on the outside. It creeps me out. The song Yakety Yak is played by the Coasters. Love that song. Okay, so next up is Chicken Race between Kiefer Sutherland and his car and his friend's car. And this is a reference to Rebel Without a Cause and a great part in the movie. Kiefer Sutherland, of course, is more of a badass than his friend. When he makes this big truck carrying lumber move out of his way instead of heading like head on with this other vehicle just a tough scene and Kiefer is just cool 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 Kiefer gives his line I won and then you see the other car and the other friends and one of the friends says this you let him beat you you cock knocker cock knocker I guess that's what they said back in the day in Stephen King's neighborhood. Cockknocker. I love it. Cockknocker. It just flows. All those hard consonants. Cockknocker. Cockknocker. I think I've said that too many times and I apologize. Cockknocker. Finding the body. They found the body. The kids. Scene of this needed to have a windy feel to it, I guess. Rob Reiner wanted that whole scene windy. He felt it necessary. And guess what? That day, no wind at all. 
at all. So they got their hands on all sorts of wind machines, so on and so forth. Even had stagehands behind bushes shaking them. That's how badly he wanted the scene done in a windy way. And he actually looked through the camera at one point and saw one of the bushes not moving correctly and made sure that the person (laughs) behind that bush was doing it the right way. The dude was specific and wanted it done just right. Now, the dead body of the kid that they found, you know, where they kind of reveal what the kid looks like, I always felt the kid looked like he was 40 years old or 35. He just looked too old. He didn't look like a kid. I I don't know. I'm wondering if others feel that way when they revealed what the kid looked like. I was so disappointed. He looked like a 35-year-old janitor. It didn't look like a kid at all. At all. Like, what? You found the wrong body. You Keep looking. That's that's not him. That's some fucking lumberjack uh, that died uh, cutting down a tree. He, you know, made it fall the wrong way. It fell on him. And, uh, no, keep looking. That's not the kid. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, moving on. Reiner wrote the next scene in the film where Gordy breaks down. Gordy thinks his dad hates him. And he's probably right. Uh, by the look, the way they portray the dad, uh, yeah, Gordy, he hates you. He hates you to death. He wants you out of the house as soon as possible. Leave. Gordy knows it too. Breaks down. Cries. So sad. And River tells him he doesn't hate you. He just doesn't know you. He doesn't know you yet. And I think to myself, does because Rob Reiner wrote this scene, did Reiner think his dad didn't like him? Hmm. You know, when he was a kid, I'm thinking he didn't think it. his dad liked him when he was a kid. So sad, man. Then Kiefer shows up. Here we go. Here comes Dickhead and his gang of other little dickheads. They want the kid. They want to find this dead kid. This poor dead kid, right? Jeez. So the standoff is happening between the young and the old. Chris, who is played by Phoenix, confronts Kiefer and Chris's brother, Eyeball, who's played by Bradley Gregg, actually looks concerned that, that Ace will actually hurt his brother. Chris was supposed to be the one yielding the gun at the end, not Gordy. That's the way it's in the book. Reiner decided this would be changed. And decided on Gordy being the one holding the gun. He wanted to be the hero. Reiner. He saw himself in Gordy. And he wanted to be the one holding the gun. Stephen's reaction to this change was positive. Stephen King. He liked the change. And felt, hey. It makes sense. I, I, I wanted Chris to have the gun. I wrote Chris as having the gun in my book, Rob. You did read that, right? Uh, But it actually works with Gordy as well. And that decision proved to be a good one, I thought. Gordy having the gun makes sense to me. And I think that Rob's choice was the better one. So anyway, it works. Gordy's tough enough with the gun. 
and pointing it at Kiefer and actually says this to him. And I think this is why Kiefer left. Listen to what he says. He says, suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. And that was enough for Kiefer. He's like, whoa, man. All right. You mean fucking business. I'm getting the fuck out. But you better be looking behind your backs. You know, you know uh, uh, we're going to get you back. And I, I like River's like, oh, you might or you might not. He's like, oh, we will. <laughs> Such a great. I love the reactions off of all the kids. They work so well off of one another. You know, all the kids being, you know, afraid of Kiefer in real life. Like, oh, my God, this guy is going to freaking hurt me. <laughs> Just good stuff. And uh, the kids, you know, they they realize that they're not going to go ahead and get fame for this. Uh, and they're going to do the right thing. They're going to cover the body and make an anonymous phone call on where the kid is. It shouldn't be about them. It should be about the dead kid. Good choice. Then the kids go out and say goodbye to one another. They're going home. Vern finds a penny on the ground as he says goodbye. I like that because he was looking for all those pennies that he buried in his front yard under the deck. And as he walks away, he finds a penny on the ground. He's like, oh, look, a penny. And it meant a lot to him. Feldman says goodbye. And he does some good acting here. And I liked his character and his reactions. I thought were very well done. Corey Feldman props on this role. And I also loved you in The Goonies. Mouth. Was it mouth? Mouth. The kid had some spunk, though, didn't he? He had a lot of personality, Corey Feldman. And it showed through in this role. It was perfect for him. It was perfect for that time. And then we have the goodbye of River. River's character, Chris, held everyone together. He was the peacemaker, just like River Phoenix was in real life. This last shot, it's hard for Reiner to watch it he says, as River Phoenix walks away and then disappears in the distance, eerie. Rob talks about this scene and tears up and thinks about what we will be missing, what we have missed, and how special River Phoenix was. Even Richard Dreyfuss in interviews says that he was one of the best And could have done so much more. We have been cheated. Of witnessing. Great acting. From a tremendous talent. We miss you River Phoenix. Thank you for making. Chris Chambers such a great character. Thank you Will Wheaton. Who does a lot of. uh, Reading of. uh, Of books. um, That these audio books. My wife listens to a lot of audio books. That Will Wheaton will narrate. Is that cool or what? Uh, thank you, Will Wheaton, for making Gordy just an intriguing character in the simple fact of how uh, innocent he is, in a way. Uh, the innocence of childhood. Um, being so sensitive. Um, it worked. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Corey Feldman. Not only for being weird, but angry. And also talented as well. Jerry O'Connell, thank you. For giving Vern that fun, innocent, 
playful, stupid, you know, little kid. And I loved when you just beat on Corey Feldman. That was fun to watch because Corey was was punching you through the whole movie and you finally had enough and just wailed on him. Well done. Great film. Reminds me of my childhood, the friendships you have. You'll never forget them. And this is expressed when Richard Dreyfus is writing at the end of the movie. In the movie, the line he writes on his old computer with the green font, by God. So, 80s, 86, right? Wow. So anyway, he writes this, the final line in his book. Quote, I never had any friends later on like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? End of quote. There's some fucking truth right there. You'll never have friends like you did when you were a kid. The song Stand By Me becomes number one song once again 25 years later after its original release. How about that? The movie was so big that people started listening to the song again. Such a great song. And it became number one again in 1986. Thank you so much for listening to the Actors Room highlighting the film Stand By Me, 1986, directed by Rob Reiner. Great film. Uh, I love this episode of the podcast. Uh, There was going to be an actor, my brother and I, we're going to do this week. I was on vacation this week. You know what's strange? I was busier this week on vacation than I usually am working. Just because I was doing a lot of stuff around the house and I didn't have time to really dive into the actor we will be doing next week. I'm going to do some more research on him. Um, I've already dived into him and I'm not going to reveal who it is. You'll find out next week. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun talking about him. My brother and I will collaborate next week. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Actors Room. Stand by me. I had a lot of fun doing it. And I hope you have a great day, a great evening. Uh, Enjoy yourself. All right? Put in that movie tonight. One that makes you feel happy or one that makes you feel sad. Sometimes you just want to have a good cry. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Sometimes you want to feel afraid. So you put a scary movie in. Sometimes you want to feel like, you know, on the edge of your seat. Suspense film, you know? It all depends on what you're in the mood for. So, hey, you know what? Go ahead and put in that movie what you want to watch on that night. Enjoy yourself. Pour yourself a drink or two or three. Whatever it takes for you to enjoy the evening. Take a load off, right? It's been a week or it it is in the middle of the week. You need a break or something. Treat yourself. You deserve it. All right. God bless you, everyone. Have a good one.